Well, amen. Thank you once again, praise team. Yeah, absolutely. Leading us week after week so faithfully in worship. As Rachel mentioned earlier, uh, Pastor Brian is still struggling with the cough that's left over from COVID. And uh, Jeannie and I had it a couple of weeks ago. We had it right after Christmas. We had COVID and I know that cough just lingered. And so I can imagine even with Pastor Brian's asthma, it's going to be lingering a little bit more. And so you continue to pray for him, lift he and his family up in prayer. And I know you have been uh, and just continue to lift them up as he as he overcomes and, and heals from this. Uh, my name is Barry Cole. If we haven't met yet, my wife Jeannie and I have been here at Harvest for just a couple of months, and if we haven't met yet, I look forward to that opportunity, hopefully very soon. And as Brian is out today, he's asked me to bring the word again this morning. I'm glad we have an opportunity uh, to open the word of God and to spend some time praising him that way this morning. Now, these last several weeks, uh, several weeks ago, Brian started a sermon series called Faith Forward. Um, And we've been talking about, in this series of messages, we've been talking about how to have a forward-moving faith. Jesus called us all to follow him. And when we follow someone, that means we go where they go, right? And that means when, when we get there, we do what they do. And we think the way they think, and we talk the way they talk. And that's what Jesus has invited us to do and to be, is to be his followers. And it's everywhere that we go, I better move that because I'll kick it over. Everywhere that we go to represent him and to be his hands and feet in this world, he's called us to be followers. And we can't follow Jesus in any sense of that word and stay where we are in life. Amen? We have to be moving. We have to move off the spot where we are if we're going to follow him in any sense of what that word means. So as we think this morning about what it means and what it looks like to have a forward-moving faith, I think it's fitting that we look at one of Paul's letters that deals specifically with that. And so if you have a Bible with you this morning or a Bible app on your device, I hope you have one of those. If you're here in person with us, you don't have a Bible, there's some on that back table back there. Feel free to jump up and grab one if you need it for this morning. Feel free to take it with you. I've heard Brian say that, so I know he won't be mad if I tell you that. Feel free to take that with you. If you don't have a Bible at home, that's one of the reasons they're back there. We want everyone to have a copy of God's Word. Turn in your Bible, and if you're joining us online, open up your Bible, the book of Colossians. That's where we're going to be this morning, about two-thirds of the way or so through the New Testament, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And some of the reasons you realize when you look at the letters in the New Testament, one author called them occasional documents, and that doesn't mean that we just read them occasionally. What that means is they were written for a purpose. They were written to address a specific occasion, maybe a question that was asked in the church, or an issue that had come up, or a problem, or a challenge that Paul knew about, or one of the other authors knew about. They were written for a reason. One of the reasons, some of the reasons Paul wrote to the church in Colossae was to show them how to deal with worldly influences, worldly philosophies. When we come to faith in Christ, we are enemies living in enemy territory. 
And we are surrounded and sometimes bombarded with worldly ideas and worldly philosophies. And we'll talk in just a few minutes about that, how that had crept into the church in Colossae. And so he wrote to them to help them learn how to deal with that, but also to help them have a growing, thriving faith. And that's exactly what we've been talking about these last several weeks. And we have a lot of ground to cover this morning. So let's just dive right into the text. To the text. Colossians chapter 2, that's where we are this morning. Just two verses, verses 6 and 7. I think we're going to pop those up on the screen there. And you follow along as I read those. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And Paul said, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. And Father, we thank you for the incredible privilege of opening up your word, just the gift that it is, and the incredible privilege of having it in the first place. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to gather together today in this place or online and be together as the the body of Christ and to open up your word and to be able to be taught by it. And, And Father, as we do, Father, we recognize we're desperate for a touch from you. We won't learn anything this morning without your help. Father, would you help us to hear what you have to say? Would you help us to to let it get down into our hearts? And more importantly, Lord, would you help us as we leave out of this place in just a few minutes to let it impact our lives, that we have a growing, thriving faith, a faith that is showing the world what you can do and what you've done in our lives. Would you bless us? In these next few moments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just as Brian likes to pull the main thought out, he calls it the one thing. I I do the same thing. I call it the big idea. This is the big idea, I think, of this passage this morning we're going to be looking at. That God has already given us everything we need for a strong and a thriving faith. But we have to put it into practice. It's one thing to have the toolbox, right? that's full of all of the tools, and you can have the best tools in the world. You've got that toolbox in your garage, and there it is. It's one thing to have that, but if you don't ever take them out, you don't ever use them. You don't ever put them into practice. You say, I've got these great tools, but in order for them to really impact what I'm doing, I've got to take them out of the toolbox. I've got to put them to use. We're going to see here in the next couple of minutes that God has already given us everything that we need to have this growing, thriving, forward-looking, forward-moving faith, but we've got to put these things into practice. And I want us to see three things in particular this morning. What God has given us to empower our faith. This walk with the Lord is often seems like an uphill walk, right? It seems like there's challenges and there's difficulties and, and we need strength and we need power. What has He given us? to empower our faith. He's already given us an incredible gift. And then along the way, it's been said that the the Christian walk is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We get hungry, right? After a while, we need to be fed. We need to be nourished. And what has he given us? Another incredible gift that he has given us to feed us along the way. And then he's given us some key indicators. How do you know your faith is moving forward? How do you know you're moving in the right direction? I mean, that's we need some benchmarks, right? What does it look like? And I think we're going to see those things here in the next couple of minutes. 
First thing is the gift that God has given us to empower our faith. Look there again at verse number six. He said, therefore, and every time you see this, I think Brian said this a couple weeks ago, every time you see therefore, it's kind of a hinge word. Sort of therefore tells you what it's there for. It takes what was there previously and says, all right, now here's what, as a conclusion, let me turn the corner here. Therefore, verse six, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, if you are a believer here this morning or a believer joining us online, that moment that you repented of your sin and you turned from following yourself and you trusted in Christ and you cried out to him and said, Lord, I realize how desperate I am that if I have any hope of going to heaven and spending eternity with you, it is all in you. And when that happened, when you trusted in Christ, that began as God's gift. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. We're in Hebrews chapter 12. And we were looking there, you remember, about how Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that began the, the writing your faith story. You and I don't even have any hope of understanding our need to be saved. And understanding what Jesus has done for us and being able to respond for that. Listen, that's all a gift of God. And our faith began as a gift of God. So he says here, so walk that way. The same way it began, walk that way in the gift that God has given you. In other words, our faith is a gift. That's how we began this walk. And so is the ability to live out that faith. Now, let me ask a question. Show of hands. How many feel like you fail too often in your faith? All right, not everybody raised their hand. So how many of you just lied in church? You don't, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> the reality is sometimes we feel that, right? Listen, I, I can think of all of the failures. I know all of the times I failed in faith, and that might make you seriously question that point that I just made. That God has already given you the gift of the ability to live out your faith. But that's exactly what Paul's saying here. When you repent of your sins, when you trust in Jesus, God gives you several gifts. He gives you the gift of eternal life. You didn't earn that. That's not because of how good you are. That's not because the good in your life will outweigh the bad in your life. Or you've done enough good things to offset the sin. It's not because of that. It's not because of your impressive spiritual resume that you can show to God. That's not why he saved you. The very nature of a gift means that it's, it's the only reason I have it is because of the goodness and the generosity of someone else. When you trusted in Christ, when you became a believer in Christ and followed after him, he gave you the gift of eternal life. That's what Romans 6.23 tells us. That is the gift of God. He gave you the gift of this, the body of Christ. He gave us the, the gift of the privilege of prayer. One of the other amazing, incredible gifts he gave us is the gift of his Holy Spirit. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He said, listen, the Spirit of God is what marks us out as believers. He said, if you don't have the, the Spirit of Christ, then you don't belong to Him. What an amazing gift that God has given us. I think sometimes we don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. 
And there's a lot of bad theology out there about the Holy Spirit. And so I think sometimes we, we kind of we avoid him a little bit. Maybe push him off to the side just a little bit. Kind of think of him as maybe the little brother of the Trinity. We're not quite sure what to do with him. But listen, here are some of the incredible things biblically that the Holy Spirit does for you and I when, we, when we're believers in Christ, as followers in Christ. Here's what the Scripture says the Holy Spirit does for us. He is our helper. Do you need help? Along this walk and along this path, do you need help? Now, by the way, I put all of the script, a lot of these Scripture references in the notes. I'm not going to go over every one of them in detail. You're welcome. We'll be here all afternoon. But here's what I encourage you to do. Go back in the next couple of days and spend some time, read them. Spend some time and pray over them and meditate and just think about the incredible gift that God has given us. He's our helper, Jesus said in John 14, 26. He convicts us of sin, he said over in John 16, 8. Not only that, he convicts us of righteousness, not only what not to do, but what to do. He gives us the ability to do his work, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12. He helps us in prayer, Jude said in Jude 1.20. He prays for us, Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He gives us what we should say when we don't know what to say, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. He teaches us, he guides us, he bears fruit in us, he gives us joy and comfort in the, in the fight, and the list goes on and on. Do you realize what an incredible gift God has given us in his Holy Spirit? And listen, when you think about that list, doesn't that pretty much cover everything? I mean, every situation you're going to come into, every circumstance, you say, well, there they all are. But then just in case, there might have been one. You might pop in your head. Say, yeah, well, what about this one circumstance over here? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 that he's a permanent resident. Listen, everywhere you go, every decision, every situation, every circumstance, every everything, he goes with you. That's why Peter said, you and I already have everything we need for this life of godliness. So then why? When I asked just a few minutes ago for us to raise our hand and say if we, we, stumble, we feel like we stumble and fail too often in our faith, why did so many of us raise our hand then? We have this amazing gift that empowers us and follows us and lives within us and everything that we do. Why did so many of us raise our hand earlier? Because the key to engaging this gift the key to, to bringing him to bear in our lives and the key to engaging this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit in your life is giving up control. Now, I know you might be sitting there thinking, all right, hang on there, preacher. You've gone too far now. Because, listen, I like to have control. And, and I want to have control. And I know you do. Because I do too. And that's the problem. You know, we, we've heard the song, and maybe you've even said this, Jesus, take the wheel. And we say that, Lord, would you take control of my life? Would you take the wheel? Would you be my pilot, not my co-pilot? I hate that bumper sticker that says Jesus is my co-pilot. 
He's not the co-pilot. He's the pilot. We're, we're blessed to just be able to be on the plane. Jesus, will you take the wheel? We say that, but then we refuse to let go. Does that happen to you? There's the problem. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He said, do not get drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, when you come to Christ, you get all of the Holy Spirit there is. God's not giving him out in a dropper. Well, I'll give you a little bit, and then maybe tomorrow another little drop, maybe a little bit more after that. God doesn't give out the Spirit that way. When you come to Christ, you get all of the Holy Spirit there is. Here's the question. You have all of Him. Does He have all of you? And Paul said, don't be drunk with wine. That's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. And I just simply, I love that analogy. When somebody's drunk, you know, we, we say they're under the influence, right? That's just a nice way of saying this. They have given up control to the alcohol. And you've seen people who are drunk, can't walk right, they can't speak right, they do some of the stupidest stuff. They've given up control to the alcohol. And then that's this analogy that Paul's talking about. He said, don't do that in a similar sense, though. Give up control to the Holy Spirit. Be, if you want to be under the influence of something, be under His influence. Christmas season just passed. We still have our Christmas decorations up. Don't look at me all funny like that. It's been a rough couple of years. We still have them up. We'll be up for a little while longer. But on Christmas Day, you went out there, and there were gifts under the tree, and some of them had your name on them. Little tags said this was for you, and those gifts belonged to you. Somebody thought about you, and they got that, and they put that under the tree and wrapped it up, and they put your name on the tag. They were yours, but they didn't impact your life, right? They, they didn't have any impact on what you do until you took it and embraced it and put it to use, right? That's the only way it, it begins to have impact in your life. Maybe that's why we stumble so often in our faith. Maybe that's why when we think about having a forward-looking, forward-moving faith, we find that we're on our face more often than not. Because though we have this incredible gift, we're simply not utilizing it. There is an amazing gift that God has given us to empower our faith. But the second thing I want us to notice is the word that feeds our faith. I'm sorry, I should have mentioned right up front, I have a spotty history with technology. <laughs> technology and I don't really get along all that well. I've been on probation from technology several times because I get nice stuff. This is why we cannot have nice stuff in my house. I get nice stuff and I break it. This microphone does not do this when Brian's up here, but for some reason it pops and crackles when it's connected to my belt. I'll just apologize for that. That's probably going to happen a couple more times. This is a journey that we are on with Christ. See, there we go. This is a journey that we're on with Christ. It's a, it's a marathon, long-term journey, and we get hungry. We need to be fed along the way. The church in Colossae had a colossal problem. Pardon the pun there. 
And the problem was this, that there was some, some worldly philosophy that had crept into the walls of the church. And it began to impact the faith of some of them in the church. And so no doubt, their beliefs were, were this weird mix of some Bible truth and some worldly philosophy. Listen, guess what? The church in 2022 is not that much different. And as you have encountered believers in your life, and maybe to a certain extent even in your own life, you find that your faith, your beliefs are this odd mix of some Bible truth and some worldly philosophy. And how does Paul deal with it there in the church in Colossae? I think, I think that's important for us. I think that's instructive for us. How does he deal with that? Well, look there at verse 7. He simply just takes them back to the basics of the gospel, right? He said, you have been firmly rooted in Christ. Now you're being built up and established in your faith just as you were instructed. And in fact, if you read through the rest of the book of Colossians, it won't take you that long. I timed myself, I think, at one time when I read through Colossians. I think it took me eight minutes. And I'm a plotter. I don't read fast. I plod through things eight minutes minutes. I encourage you to read the entire book because one, one author has said this, this is perhaps the best description of who Christ is in all of scripture here in the book of Colossians. And I think it's instructive for us. How does Paul deal with this issue? He simply, simply takes them back to the basics of the gospel. Who is Christ and who are we in him? Because the reality is this, that the depth of your faith how strong your faith is, how well it can withstand the, the winds of this life and the difficulties, the depth of your faith is directly tied to the depth of your doctrine. Don't be afraid of that word doctrine. Don't be put off by that word doctrine. I think sometimes we think, well, that's just stuff that, that pointy-headed intellectuals in seminary talk about. I don't need to talk about doctrine. Doctrine is nothing more than what you believe. And the depth of our faith, how strong our faith is going to be able to withstand this life, is directly tied to the depth of our doctrine. And when your faith is built on the empty and the hollow philosophies of this world, what happens when the weight of life starts to bear down on you? What happens when the difficulties and the burdens begin to heap up on your shoulders? What happens when it's built on this empty, hollow philosophy of the world. It crumbles. It falls apart. And we see many believers today, maybe somebody you know, that as soon as the storms of life kicked up and as soon as the winds began to blow, their faith completely fell apart. That's what happens when it's built on that. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. He said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that word continue there, it means to dwell, to abide, kind of camp out there in his word. And he said, listen, you really want to be my follower? You want to continue in the journey following after me? You want to have a faith that goes the distance. You want to have a faith that stands strong. Feed it. You got to camp out in my word. 
How do you know what is solid Bible truth versus the empty, hollow philosophy and wisdom of the world? How do you know the difference? How can you tell one thing from the other? The only way you recognize a lie is when you know the truth. By continuing camping out in his word. Because listen, in order to have a growing, thriving faith, in order to have a faith that is moving forward, you need to have a steady diet of his word. I don't know if you have that in your life. I don't know if that's a regular part of your daily routine to spend just a few minutes in God's word every day. We need to have that steady diet. Dave Ramsey said this recently. You know who Dave Ramsey is, right? Christian financial advisor, financial planner guy. And he said this recently. He said, you will harvest what you plant. So plant intentionally. Now, the scripture talks about that over and over again, this idea of, of sowing what it is, or reaping what it is that you sow. It's not a concept unique with Dave Ramsey. Now, of course, he's talking about it from a financial perspective, but the same is true in our spiritual life. You will harvest whatever it is that you plant. And I think that's the same idea, this, this, this idea of something growing out of the grass, the same idea that Paul uses in verse number 7. To have a faith that is built up, one that is established, one, is, one that is growing and thriving, we have to feed on the nourishment of God's Word. That's how we build our faith. That's how we strengthen it. The psalmist said this in Psalm 19. He said, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Listen, are you weary this morning? I mean, down to the core of who you are. You know what I'm talking about? Are you weary just down to the center of your very being? And your soul just needs to be refreshed. Is that where you are today? Are you tired of the anxiety that the noise of this world produces? It's constantly coming at us, this, this noise and this message and the negativity of the world's message. Are you tired of the noise? Just looking for real wisdom, looking for something that you, some firm, solid foundation that you can rest on. It's here. That's what the psalmist said. The law of the Lord refreshes our soul. If that's what you're looking for, you'll find it here. Listen, this is not just a collection of stories so we have something to talk about on Sunday morning. God put these stories together because in them we see who He is. We see how He reacted in the lives of His people in the past and how He's going to react in our lives now. Maybe you don't know where to start. I think that's one of the big challenges, right? You see, we come into a new year and we say, I want to be better about reading the Bible. I want to do it more often, but I don't know where to begin. This is not just a book, it's a library. 66 books in here. Where do I start? If you try to start in Genesis and just work your way all the way through, you'll make it to Leviticus, maybe. You're going to hit some mud in Leviticus. You might get the Chronicles and man, it'll all fall apart there. 
Where do we begin? How do I start? What do I do? I don't know if you've seen this. Some in the basket in the back there, the table. They were in the bulletin for several weeks. I'm not sure if they're in the bulletin today. If you're joining us online, you can get this online. It's a Bible reading plan. Pastor Brian and the staff here has already done the work for you. What do I do next? Where do I go? How do I start? Listen, grab one of these if you don't have one. Start here. You say, well, this started at the beginning of January. We're already almost all the way through the month. I don't care. Start anyway. But but I'm starting in the middle. Start anyway. Because the truth is this. You can't establish a habit you never start. God has given us an incredible gift to empower our faith. He's given us an incredible gift to feed our faith. But there's also growth that is evidence of faith. Christian life is never stagnant. It never stands still. I mean, there may be times you feel like you're standing still, but the Christian life is never standing still. It's either moving forward or it's moving backwards, but it's always moving. It's always on the go. It's always in motion. As we're thinking about a a forward-moving faith, how do you know your faith is moving forward? How do you know you're moving in the right direction? You're moving towards Jesus, following after Him, and not going in the other direction. How do you know? What are the markers? I think Paul gives us a key indicator of a a growing, thriving faith there. Just those last three words of verse 7. Overflowing with gratitude. See, that's a key marker in our spiritual growth. Do we want to know, is my faith moving forward? Am I getting closer to Christ? Am I following after Him? Is your life overflowing with gratitude? There are a couple of markers of thanksgiving. Things specifically that we can see. We say, here's a a benchmark that I'm moving in the right direction. First, you know your faith is, is maturing. You're moving forward when you can be thankful for what God is doing in your life, even when it's hard. Even when it's difficult. Even when you don't like it. Even when it's a little bit painful, you can be thankful for what God is doing in the midst of all of those circumstances. I mean, sure, it's easy to be thankful when things are going well, right? I mean, everybody's thankful when things are going well. Job is good, family's good, kids are behaving, right? Everybody's thankful in those moments. It's easy to be thankful when everything's going good. What about when the bottom falls out? What about when, when none of those things are true? Can you still be thankful for who God is in those moments? Can you still be thankful for what He's doing in those moments? See, that's a key indicator of spiritual growth. Jesus said in John chapter 15, He said, I am the vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And listen to this. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may become more fruitful. Now, I don't know what pruning feels like from a plant's perspective. Never had the opportunity to have that conversation with a plant. And if I do, that's some sort of little shop of horrors thing going on in my garden. 
I don't know what pruning feels like from a plant's perspective, but I cannot imagine it's pleasant. But some of the most profound spiritual lessons, the most profound moments of spiritual growth in your life and mine come from the most unpleasant pruning experiences. And can you still see where God's at work? Can you still look for him? Do you still trust and know that he is, in the, he is at work in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the difficulty? I know there is a good God who loves me, who's behind it all and using it for my good. Can you still be thankful in those moments? See, now that's a marker of spiritual growth. But you also know your faith is maturing. When you can be thankful for what God is doing in the lives of others. Not just in your life, but you can be thankful when you see him at work in the lives of others. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, Paul said this. He said, and if one part of the body suffers, I simply love that analogy of the church as the body. All the pieces and parts interdependent together. And he said, if one part of the body suffers, all of the parts suffer. If one part is honored, then all the parts rejoice with it. Now, it's easy sometimes, and I think we're, we're pretty good at the first half of that, right? We see a brother or sister who is suffering. They're, they're going through a difficult time. Hey, we're, we're pretty good at coming alongside them and putting our arm around them and praying with them and encouraging them. We're pretty good at the first part of that. We're not so good at the second part. Rejoicing when God does something great in someone else's life. We're not always really good at that. That green monster of envy, that green monster of jealousy wells up inside us sometimes when, when we see God doing something, some blessing in someone else's life. And, and there's that five-year-old deep down inside all of us that stomps his feet and says, that's not why are you doing that in their life and not in mine? That happens with us. We're not always good at that. And this is a next level of spiritual maturity thing. What's a marker? You know you're moving in the right direction. You can be thankful for what he's doing in your life, but you can see what he's doing in someone else's life. And you say, listen, my sense of fulfillment comes only from Christ and who he is. And who I am in him, not what I have, what I don't have, what they have or what they don't have. It's only who he is in me. That is a, a key marker of the next level of spiritual maturity. You want to know you're moving in the right direction. What about you this morning? Where are you at? As we've been challenging these past several weeks, we've been challenged with this idea of a forward-moving Faith, where are you at? Are you regularly employing this incredible gift that God has given us to empower our faith? Giving up control of your life to the Holy Spirit. Allowing Him to work through you. Are you regularly feeding on His Word? This gift He's given us to, to help grow and strengthen our faith. And you think about the key indicators. Are you moving in the right direction? I don't know how the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to you today. I don't know which of those areas that he has, he has brought to your attention and said, this one's the one I want you to pay attention to. But however that is, I want to help you do that. 
I want to help you respond to him. Brian always ends the service with two prayers, and I'm going to end them with the same two. The first one is a prayer of salvation. And maybe you're here this morning as we talk about what it means to walk with Christ and what it means to be a follower of his and, and the idea of repenting of sins and trusting him. And you, and you look back in your life and say, I've never done that. The reason I don't have the peace of God is because I don't have peace with God. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe this is the prayer that you need to pray. There's nothing magical about the words of this prayer. But if you're sincere and you really mean it, you want to do business with God this morning, he'll hear it. He'll respond and he'll save you. If you're here this morning with us, you're joining us online and you need to pray this prayer of salvation, just pray it along with me. Father in heaven, I thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, because I desperately need it. And Lord, I come before you absolutely empty-handed. Because I know my sin has separated me from you. If I leave this life and go into eternity, in this sin, I know I will spend eternity separated from you. But I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. To pay the price for my sin. And so, Father, I come before you this morning. I pray your forgiveness. I pray that you would Save me this morning. Thank you for your love. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to the cross for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you tell somebody? Either whoever. Maybe you came to church this morning with a friend. Would you tell them? Or just tell the person you're sitting next to. They'd want to rejoice with you. Fill out one of the connection cards in the back and let the staff know. Email Pastor Brian, brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. Just let somebody know we want to rejoice with you and help you get moving in your walk of faith. The second prayer, though, is a prayer of application. If you're here this morning, you are a believer in Christ. You're joining us and you're a believer in Christ. And the Spirit of God has spoken to you and say, that one, pay attention to that. I want to help you do that as well. So may you just pray this along with me. Father, I thank you. You didn't just save us. You continue to walk with us. You empower us to live out this faith. And Father, I just want to repent that I have not employed the power you've given us. I've not been relying on your spirit. And Father, you've given us this incredible gift of your word to feed our faith. And Father, I want to repent this morning that I haven't been taking advantage of that. I've not been feeding on this feast of your word. And fathers, I consider the key markers of faith. My life is not overflowing with gratitude. Would you change that in me this morning? Father, thank you for your faithfulness, that you're always faithful even when I'm unfaithful. Father, help me tomorrow to have a faith. Help me even today, just when I leave out of this place, to have a faith that is moving forward and back on track with you again. I lift it up to you and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, stand with us as we sing our final song. If you need to speak with someone after the service about a decision you need to make or you have questions or you need someone to pray with you, I'll be available. Staff will be available to do that. Let's stand together as we sing our final song.